Hey, welcome back to Joko Yo, and uh, another episode. I'll just tell you, I don't know where all these stories come from. They just, well, they're sort of just there, and it gives me great pleasure to tell you some of the things you may or may not know. And this one, this episode today, sort of hits kind of close to home. In fact, it hits closer to home than some of the ones in the past that 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 I've done, and. at the same time, I, I well, I don't know. Let, let me just get to. It. So, I vaguely remember a college football season, one in particular, that ended with two final number ones in the rankings. Y'all may remember that too. It's not that it was so long ago, really. It was only 1990, only like 30 years ago, <laughs> just 30 years ago. But I'm just not the guy that does sports stats that's not really me and still though it was memorable partly because of the one of the teams was an ACC team Florida State uh, would join the next year and bring three national championships eventually to the conference but Georgia Tech was won the first one since 1981 when Clemson did it and that was a whole different thing but Georgia Tech's national championship was shared with the University of Colorado. How'd that happen? Well, the UPI at the time, United Press International, ranked the Yellow Jackets number one, while Colorado won the Associated Press number one. And so we didn't have a tournament of sorts yet to determine which one was number one. Didn't have a college football championship. If you know anything about football, that took a long time to get that done. Even then, it's not, I mean, well, still controversial. You know, it's stuff like that that disrupts to me the natural order of things. This whole co-championship thing is memorable because it stands out, you know. It stands out because it just doesn't happen. I mean, like, Maryland did have to share a soccer title with Michigan State in 68, and Virginia had to share a soccer title with Santa Clara in 89. I did some research. But out of 120 NCAA national championships held by schools of the ACC, 120, only three were shared, like less than 3%. One team, I mean, has to win. That's sort of what happens. I mean, when was the last time you had to choose between two things, like a set of tires, college, car, house, heck, a box of cereal even? I mean, in the end, you have to choose. To quote Phoebe from Friends, you have to choose. You have to decide. Your choices may have been nearly equal, but something had to, at some point, gain leverage over the other one. Like, why did you choose Fruit Loops over Raisin Bran? Both of them cereal, right? But we know they're not the same. I mean, look at the ingredients. Same purpose, sure. I mean, it's breakfast, but 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 not made of the same stuff, so not really equal in value to you. It's just not really equal. That's what that means. So what about the Fruit Loops in the box versus the Fruit Loops or Fruit Rings, I think is what they're called, in the bag on the bottom shelf? I mean, ingredients are pretty much the same, but the placement or maybe the... Maybe the packaging or how it looks on the outside differentiates it from the other. I don't know. Hey, this is kind of cool. 
I do. I am getting to a point. I promise you, a really good one. If you ever saw the movie Lincoln with Daniel Day Lewis, a fantastic movie, by the way, you may remember the conversation about uh, Euclid. Um, in case you do, or if you if you don't remember the conversation, never saw it. Euclid was an ancient Roman mathematician, and he came up with something way two thousand years ago called the common notions. That's what's you know what he called them, and. If not, if you if you don't know about them, check them out. So yes, we're doing a little bit of math, and no, it's not going to hurt. So Euclid's common notions are basically this: common notion one, things that equal the same thing equal each other. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Got it? There, things that equal the same thing equal each other. Number two, if things are added, if equals are added to equals, the whole is equal, or wholes are equal, like if A equals B and B equals C, then A plus B, B plus C, and A plus C will all equal the same thing. Common notion. Also third, the whole is greater than any part. Just common notion, common sense, common notion. These are like his common senses. Now, if we apply Euclid to fractions. So they work there too, you know, like uh, they apply to bar charts. They apply to pie charts. Think, if we color, say, one quarter of a pie chart, you can identify that one quarter by the three quarter that it's not just as much as the one quarter that it is. You follow? One Fourth is one quarter equals 0.25 equals 25 one hundreds and so on. No matter what you call it, it is. On a pie chart, these values occupy the same space. You know, 0.25, one fourth, 25 one hundredths. They all occupy the same space, or in other words, they coincide which makes them equal. Whether you color your one-fourth red, green, or blue, it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. If two beings are equal, if two beings are human, then those two people are equal also. I mean, (laughs) right? Regardless of height, strength, hair, skin color, what pretty much... That pretty much closes the case. They cannot naturally be made otherwise. Just think of Euclid's common notions. A 2,000-year-old dead mathematician proves it. If two people contribute to society in roughly the same manner and impact their surroundings in the same manner, then for all intents and purposes, socially, they coincide. And when they, when they coincide, that makes them equal. They are equal to each other. Their relationships with and responsibilities to each other and their surroundings around them are equal as well. This 2,000-year-old dead mathematician shows us the error of social inequality and how it is unnatural. It is artificial. Natural is one equals one. Artificial is when you try to pretend that it's not. Then Euclid tops off by saying that the whole is greater than any one part. 
it's obvious, provable truth. And these truths are not conditional. No more than numbers are conditional. One equals one, man. And a person's a person, no matter how you dress up either. So if equality is simply logical and natural, then inequality is illogical and unnatural, based on emotion instead of reason and eventually doomed to failure. And like most lies, any attempt to deny what simply is requires constant labor to maintain it. One is one, whether you like it or not. A person's a person, whether you like it or not. Let me go back to the cereal choice for a second. Again, I'm getting to a point. If one box or bag of Fruit Loops costs the same, is made the same with the same ingredients, weighs the same, then my decision on which to buy is based simply on emotion. The only way both sets remain on the market is through personal bias based on emotion and not logic. And personal bias, by the way, another word for that is prejudice. There's literally no reason unless you just invent one to pick between two of the same things. So the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution guaranteeing citizenship to all people born in the United States as well as equal protection under the law was an act of logic far more than it was an act of emotion. It was a recognition of logical fact. Equal people equals equal citizen and equal rights. If one equals one, then it's fairly stupid to decide to treat one of those integers as, say, three-fifths, for example. And how much effort and how many attempts you would have to make to try to convince others that such an inequality is natural when it clearly is not. Such a thing is obvious, uh, self-evident, if you want to go that route. How hard and fruitless it would be to try to make a thing to make a false thing true. So many lies would have to be told to cover that great lie. But in the end, as it says in John 8, 3, 2, the truth shall make you free. Gloria Steinem actually added to it about a long time later saying, the truth will set you free, but it's going to piss you off first. Pardon the language. In 1954, the Supreme Court was using logic in its affirmation of the 14th Amendment, which itself is an affirmation of mathematical logic. Two school systems was illogical, based on a lie. It was artificial. It was a falsehood. And it was an artificiality of racial inequality. In Johnston County, see, told you we get to a point. For Johnston County, for 11 years after this ruling, what many people wanted to be, rather than what was, was maintained. It was like me wanting to be a unicorn and fiercely defending my right to be one. If you've seen me, you'll know that I'm certainly and definitively not a unicorn and not magical. Wanting Bigfoot to exist doesn't make him real. You can argue his existence. You can make laws to protect him. You can put up billboards proclaiming that he's real. You can punch people that tell you otherwise. None of that makes him real. No matter how hard you argue the, the, the case, it just makes you look stupid. If you get laws passed to protect Bigfoot, you just messed up our society so you can protect your own stupidity and try to make us as dumb as you. Three years after Brown, three years after Brown's Board of Education, wheels began to turn. Not because we started being logical, mind you, but because fear 
was made or fear made it convenient for them to turn. So, hey, in that year, 1957, three years after Brownvers Board of Education, which says, hey, hey, people are people, and people need people's schools, not artificial ones. Three years after that, the, United, the, the USSR, the Soviet Union, launched Sputnik, the first artificial satellite that showed us just how behind we were. We were terrified. So Congress passed the National Defense Education Act to authorize additional funding for the teaching of math and science. That's practically why North Carolina got the North Carolina School of Science and Math. And it's also partially the reason for the intensified push for colleges and communities to push technology in the same year. The North Carolina General Assembly adopted the Community College Act to begin the implementation of, of, of those community colleges statewide, and it provided funding. In 1960, the Johnston County Board of Commissioners applied for a community college to be placed in our community. 1960, three years after Sputnik. In 1961, 12 community colleges had been established, but not Johnston. In 1962, Governor Terry Sanford put these community colleges under the State Board of Education for their educational initiatives so they can streamline North Carolina education and put it, the control of them under local boards of trustees. In 1963, there were now 20 community colleges in North Carolina, but not Johnston. Johnston County, despite having the population to support one, as well as despite its proximity to Raleigh, still doesn't have a community college. Word on the street was that, but that was because Johnston was trying to avoid integration and compliance with federal law and, of course, logic. So, flash forward two more years. On September 1st, 1965, 11, 11 years after Brown vs. Board of Education, our Board of Education decided that all of our schools were going to be integrated, but on a voluntary basis only. So see, Johnston, it only took us 11 years. Johnston County integrated their schools. Yeah, no. So giving into emotions, you know, because this is voluntary, giving into emotions one way or the other, black and white parents decided not to volunteer. Only 113 black students enrolled at the formerly white schools and no white students enrolled at formerly black schools. But really, who can blame the black students for not wanting to go to the school? Because whenever two weeks later, the KKK held a march in downtown Smithfield and there was a Klan rally that very same night in Clayton that involved the burning cross. Really? This was only 55 years ago, people. In October, a classroom, that same year, in October, a classroom at the all-black Bagley Elementary was damaged by a bomb. The next year, in 1966, now 12 years after Brown vs. Board of Education, voters authorized a bond to pay for new consolidated high schools. Planning lagged a little. Most Johnston County schools students had been uh, 
have been almost now all the way through our school system, first through 12th grade, since Brown was passed. Still, nothing was done. Now, a plan was put into place to create two new consolidated, combined high schools to um, replace the 18. The idea was to streamline the cost and facilitate integration whenever it eventually happens. And we also see that in, in the same year, there were now 43 community colleges in North Carolina, but not in Johnston, despite the population and the continued push by community, community leaders like Brack Wilson. It, October 1967, now 13 years past Brown, the United States Department of Health, Education, and Welfare threatened to cut off federal aid for the for our school system if the Johnson County Board of Commissioners and, and, the, and the Board of Education did not begin obeying the law. Six months later, both boards adopted a plan of full integration by 1971. Now, seven that would be 17 years after the Supreme Court said they had to. So, as a result, the, the, the federal government decided that it would not cut funding after all. Finally. See, Johnson was running 18 high schools and essentially, and essentially, two school systems. How could Johnston fully fund and guarantee equal access to a community college that doesn't exist when it couldn't obey the law and do it with the schools it already did have? So in 1968, not only would the high schools integrate, but eventually so would the other schools, including the existing high schools of Clayton, Princeton, and North Johnston. It is then, therefore, no coincidence that in 1969, we see the opening of the two new integrated high schools of Smithfield Selma Senior and South Johnston High School and the establishment of our community college. Finally, the 51st in North Carolina and nine years after our first application. See, the right thing, the logical thing, tends to come our way whether we like it or not. And sometimes it comes our way despite our best and usually constant attempts to prevent it from coming. See, one equals one. Now, that's it. One is not, is not anything else, and one is one. If it occupies the same space in the same place and interacts with its surroundings the same way, and it's the same thing, you know? And so in the attempt to maintain inequality, in the attempt to deny the simple logic of equality, the people that were trying to cheat one group of people out of what they themselves had were in fact cheating everyone, including themselves and their own kids, out of opportunities. So in a way, the resistors to integration were hurting themselves by trying to hurt others. Like in the words of a, I don't know, Beck, kind of like termites choking on splinters. Yep, and that does it. That was a big one. 
And uh, thanks, man. Thanks for listening. This was fun. I got a little bit animated, but honestly, this is a good lesson not being stupid. So anyway, y'all be good. Um, got a whole bunch more. This is one of the longer episodes, but got a whole bunch more stories. I Just when I think I'm running out, there's a heck of a lot more that pops up and I got some more coming. So y'all be good. Later.